welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, friend. Welcome back to the You're Welcome podcast. I'm your host, Hillary Rushford Collier. And if you are welcome here in all of your imperfection and complexity, then today I am welcoming myself to be here as well in my honest and raw form. I had another episode planned for today. I usually don't have the podcast planned out months in advance, but interestingly, this conversation we were going to have today, a two-part series, uh, is something that I'd had planned for quite a few months because I wanted to get past a wedding that I went to recently, and um, then we had the launch of What Makes a Woman Feel Beautiful, and I knew for a long time that there's a story that I want to share and a conversation that I wanted to facilitate around friendship, betrayals, and abandonment. The the hardest things we go through in friendship, female friendship, or friendship in general. And I have gathered some of your stories. I put out a survey on Instagram stories and in the garden party. And over the last few days, I've been reading those, you know, have you been through betrayal, abandonment, devastation in friendship? Um, When have friendships ended and you did not think the person handled it well and what happened? And when have you gone through dissolutions of friendships that actually did go well? What's the advice that we can learn from? And so as I've been reading your stories, it's been hard and good I mean, I just, some of the stories feel so heartbreaking to me because the topic is so tender to me and yet also is good um, to read. And, you know, you guys have great advice and wisdom and it makes me think and I look forward to sharing those. But I also was aware as I was trying to put it together today that even four years after this story that I want to share happened, it still feels so heavy to talk about. It's still such a energetic output to have to take yourself back to something, to have to re-speak words that were spoken over you, to you know, have the fear that if you were judged or misunderstood in a previous interaction, then might you not be judged or misunderstood when you share the interaction? And I went through a lot of that in sharing my three-part book story two months ago. I guess it started um, about two months ago, which means it only ended six weeks ago. And that was a big energetic output. And I'm in a season, and there's going to be more of this to to come very soon. Um, I don't mean that in a cryptic way. I just mean I am actually sharing it soon. And so I don't feel like I'm dangling something anymore. But um, it is exhausting to not talk about a part of your life that really impacts you or to not share something that is going on. It actually takes less energy when you can just tell the truth. And yet sharing the truth also takes an extreme amount of energy. So it's like in order to get to the part where it really is lower energy, you've already shared the hard part 
And now everybody's just in on it, right? I feel like going forward talking about my book trauma, my book grief, you know the story now. I did that heavy lifting, and now if somebody DMs me about it, they ask me a follow-up, it doesn't feel as exhausting. It was very exhausting those three weeks to go back into the trauma and excavate it to, again, have such fear of if I was judged in this scenario, may that not happen again when I share. But it was incredibly exhausting for the two years before then to not be able to share, to be legally silenced for a year, but then even in the year before that, so miserable in what felt like such a toxic, traumatic process and feeling like I couldn't talk about it because it, you know, my publishers, my agents, whomever, people from their team might be following me on social media, feeling like I shouldn't talk about it because doesn't it make you not want to, not excited for a work of art or creation if you're just hearing someone talk about how miserable it was? And so for two years, it was like holding this silence. And then, yes, I knew it was going to be healing to share, but it also was really exhausting to share. I didn't expect to get emotional, but I think knowing that we have another story coming that um, I'm... I'm going to be able to share this summer. I guess maybe I'm just realizing in real time today, as I was going to share about this friendship, that maybe I just don't have the energy to talk about so many hard things month after month, even though I know it will be healing afterwards. Maybe it's still too much to ask to do it back to back. and. The truth is today, I'm just incredibly burned out. I just looked at myself in the mirror a couple of hours ago, and my eyes are so exhausted. They're not even fully open. They were red from crying about something unrelated earlier. Um, someone I found on social media actually this morning through a friend and like really connected with them on something, and it was sort of beautiful to catch up on their journey through their pin stories and feel less alone in something. But also I was crying out of empathy for them and all of that. So it was emotional. And my hair is so many days past the date of needing to be washed. And I just looked in the mirror and just thought, you, you don't have to do this today. Like one of my favorite ahas, whenever I remember it, is that this was my idea. I can change the idea. I had the idea months ago that this month in the garden party, we're talking about friendship. At the same time, we were going to do this friendship series on the podcast. It'll be after my uh, my launch. We've been talking about you know body and bodies and beauty around what makes women feel beautiful, and I'll be ready to change it up to a new topic. And that wedding where I might see that person is going to be behind me. And so I don't have to, you know, worry about that. That kind of feels like the last hurdle to get over in that um, past friendship um, scenario. And so this, this will make sense. This will be the time. But then sometimes you get to the day, the moment, the season, and you're like, oh, there's all these other factors that are weighed in here. When I thought about this, I didn't think about how exhausting sharing about the book was going to be and that this was going to be another 
experience somewhat like that and that I have another one of those coming this summer. And it's almost like I've had to decide of all the the truths I'm telling, I think that this is the the least important. And so if I need to pace myself, then I, I can I can change I can change my mind. I had the idea that this was going to be a good time. It now turns out that it is not a hard I'm sorry, that it is not a good time. So I can make a new choice. And I was thinking about how I have multiple friends that are struggling right now. And I think that always makes me feel less self-centered. I think whenever I share publicly that I'm going through a hard time, I think unfortunately social media has conditioned us to be afraid that someone is going to be triggered because they feel that they are going through a harder time than you and that you are being ungrateful, you are complaining, you are, you know, whatever. And so I think so many of us, we have that fear that like we're going to, we're either going to be a burden and a Debbie Downer or we're going to be dismissed as, you know, un- ungrateful or or shamed or somebody's kind of t- going to try to one-up us and be like, well, at least you, you know, fill in the blank, like must be nice, whatever. And yet when I think through other friends of mine and some of this is just picking up on little things even on social media where I'm like, this person isn't seeming burnt out across the board, but I do notice they've mentioned multiple times that they're just really craving a summer of slowness. And I know that they're grappling with, okay, but I'm an influencer. So that means like my income would go down. That means I might be afraid that my audience isn't going to be here when I get back. Like, how do I do this? But like they're processing, like this has been years. I have another friend that's just juggling a lot of hard things. And when I look back, it's kind of been the same hard things for the last six months. Like that's kind of been this year. And so I know that I'm not alone. And then I so often go from, well, this is going to seem like, you know, I don't want it to seem like I'm just complaining to, but what if this is the honesty that someone else needs to realize they aren't alone and to, to regroup and say, okay, the first six months of 2023, we're halfway through the year. How are you? How, how have these six months been for you? And I would imagine for most of us, our answers usually are some good and some bad. Like we can find things to be grateful for and we can find things that we wish were, wish were different. But there are other, there are times, I think if we can think about past seasons of our lives, there's times when we can realize this is a harder season than it's always been. It's not necessarily always this hard, or this is a better season than it's it's always been. It's sometimes not always been this good. For me, and again, I feel so weird being like, for reasons I'll be sharing soon, but like, um, I feel like it, at this point, as I said, it's exhausting not to just be speaking freely and telling the truth about everything. Not, not that the opposite of telling the truth is a lie, by the way. Telling the truth just means, you know, when you go to a party and someone's like, or a social gathering, someone's like, how are you? And like, you're not good. 
like maybe you and your partner just got in a huge fight or like your 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 dad's back in rehab or you know whatever. It's like sometimes you just don't want to tell the truth. You don't just want to get into it. So you're just like I'm good, how are you? And you you just change the change the topic, you know? But it's l- easier when you really are good. You're like, you know what? Honestly, things are really good. Like baby's sleeping through the night now or, you know, whatever your thing is. And it just feels easier to interact with other humans. So anyways, this has been one of the wildest seasons of our life. And um, you, you know now that like spring 2021 to summer 2022, for over a year, there was just this real intensity of the book. And that was not a pleasurable process for me because of the publishing experience. I loved writing. The publishing experience was so much more toxic than I anticipated. And during that time, I taught myself how to stave off burnout. I mean, starting with research that I did in 2015, research that I deepened in 2020, 2021, but then I kind of went through a a anti-burnout boot camp. And that worked. And yet there was also so much trauma in that time. And so it also was very depleting. I handled it as well as I could and I staved off the burnout and I put everything that I had figured out over those six, seven years into my healing burnout course. But it also was an incredibly hard time. I handled it as well as I could, but that was a super hard year. Then last summer when the book truly died, there was deep grief. There was more trauma. Fall 2022, I'm trying to heal from that. I'm trying to dig out. Now this year has really been rebuilding. Like I had to rethink all of my dreams and my goals because for seven years, everything was all about this North Star of a book. And now it's just gone. Like that's what, that was the, if you you have the Elegant Excellence Journal, I mean, that was the arrow goal. Every single time I sat down to do that exercise in the journal of the path, what was happening in a year to 18 months was some next step of the book. That's the only direction that I've been headed in. So now I'm trying to regroup on that while dig out from grief and trauma, while rebuild my business also in a different direction, also off of energetic fumes because of all of the grief and trauma. In the midst of that, one part of the story that you know is my brother-in-law was in a devastating accident and paralyzed and that has taken so much in the last few months. And um, then, you know, again, another story that that we'll be sharing soon that will add some more, shed some more light on everything that we've been carrying. But the number of days in 2023 where two huge things have happened in one of these three stories is, is wild. It's a conversation for another day. But if anyone is in a season where you're just like, I can't believe that like, Every time we had a major milestone at the hospital around that cancer, we were also having like a crazy day in my business. And I don't know, your your website was getting hacked like ours was or whatever it was. Like we were just like, could how could more things happen in 24 hours? So it's just been a very depleting season of so many different stories vying for my attention. And there's just been heavy, heavy energy output for so many days over the last six months and no time to recover. Like, I don't know what your rest has been like over the last six months, your travel, your time off. 
I took one week off from work in the last six months, and it was for Jeremy and I to go help my brother-in-law in Salt Lake City um, one of the last weeks that he was in the um, the hospital. If you are catching up, he had a uh, fractured his C5 vertebrae and at 26 years old was instantly paralyzed from the neck down. I mean, that week was so much more exhausting than just being here doing a work week. So the week I took off of work was not to rest, was not to recuperate. It was to go pour out even more. And I'm so grateful we were able to do that. But nonetheless, if you are a caretaker, if you have a sick child, if you have a best friend in crisis that you've been trying to support, acknowledging that on top of the other things that you're carrying, it really adds up. And I'm only surviving because of my tools, because of what's in the Elegant Excellence Journal, what's in the Healing Burnout Course. But I also want to be honest that I feel like I'm barely surviving. And I don't mean that in like I'm having dark thoughts or anything like that. So, you know, it's hard when we say like I'm I'm barely surviving. What does that mean? For some people that can really be a cry to help of like I'm I'm having suicidal ideation. I don't mean it in that way. I just mean where you get that sense of like I I I don't know how I don't have the energy in the tank to get through the day. I have a quarter of a tank of of gas energetically, and I have a full tank of things on my to-do list, and none of them, they all feel non-negotiable. Like, I, I don't know how I will get through this. And I felt like someone else needs to know that, um, hearing this, that the tools absolutely make it better, but that doesn't mean they always make it anywhere near easy enough. And if you don't feel like you have those tools, then please, yes, get get, get them, yes. Non-negotiable, like having those tools helps so much, yes. And I often say burnout isn't necessarily your fault. You didn't necessarily do anything wrong. And there may be major components of it that are circumstances that you can't change. And it doesn't matter how hard you are trying, how wise you are being, how mentally and emotionally healthy. It is just hard. I mean, there's so many stories that are being shared in the garden party. You know, your your child is struggling, your ex is struggling, who you're co-parenting with. There's a recession in your country, your company downsized, you're juggling an illness. I mean, there's there's so much. And as I said, this month in the garden party, we have a, a mini course every month as part of our community. And this month it's on friendship. And as my team and I were researching to put that together, you know, one of the factors that is affecting our friendships, why we are struggling more in friendships, is that we're working more. And I said to the group, you know, when we're working, I think when you hear that you're working more initially, we think of it as workaholic, like addicted to work. You're, you're chasing fame and fortune. But I said, I think most of the women in my life who are, who are real spread thin because of work, you're just trying to pay the bills. You're just trying to stay afloat with the reality of the economy, inflation, the shrinking middle class, like just all of the things that are going on, is it just harder to to work? Is it harder for all businesses to stay profitable? And so 
they don't have enough staff and they are, you know, doing their best? Is that just more the reality than it used to be for much broader economic, national, global reasons than you're a perfectionist or you're addicted to work or you're indoctrinated by hustle culture or anything like that? And when I when I do have the energy to talk about that friendship podcast, which we will still do upcoming uh, this series, but one of my takeaways I'll share now as I've been going through your stories, reading articles, thinking through my own experience, is I think most often in friendship, no one really did anything wrong initially. Like the person who is hurt or upset or distancing or whatever is doing so because we get easily offended when someone was misunderstood. Like we're not talking about she slept with your husband. It was obviously wrong. That created the end of the friendship. Aside from one story that y'all submitted with that that was back in college, and I think we can just say, okay, the uh, lack of full brain development that we have in college is a little bit different than the relationships that we're talking about at like 30, 40, 50, et cetera. So that would be a situation where someone did something wrong. But getting easily offended when we misunderstand, it doesn't mean that the, the person was rude and disrespectful. They may have just been misunderstood in what they were saying. And we've got stories of that submitted. We have expectations that someone else can't reasonably meet. Like you're disappointed that your friend can't see you more, connect more, doesn't get back to you. But if you could put yourself in her shoes and really feel in her body, oh, she just has different priorities than I do. She's, I, there's, there's these other pressures on her life. There's these other things she's interested in. There's this other way her brain works. There's this other way she does organization. She's not a cruel, vicious person. She just is, has a, a different expectation or priority. Now, within that, we can be cruel in the way that we go about ending those relationships. And we will talk about that. So we absolutely can inflict cruelty upon one another. But when we talk about things like, you know, I'm I'm going through burnout, I'm feeling lonely, I'm struggling financially, like whatever you, the, the thing is in your life right now, it often is also, and I, the circumstances of burnout, I can't fully control. The I, I didn't do anything wrong that I lost that friendship. It's devastating to me. I am struggling financially, but this is just the reality of where we are as a you know, whatever nation you are in. But I don't think I'm alone that we struggle with whether or not that answer makes us feel better or not. Because we often want to go to what did I do wrong so that I can fix it, so that I can protect myself in the future, so that I can keep myself safe, so I can get out of this, so I can avoid it. And I think that's often what we're trying to figure out. What, what, where did I fork up so that I can be perfect henceforth and therefore I will no longer have this kind of trauma, fear, anxiety, pressure, stress put upon me. And I look around at my friends who are struggling and like, I feel like they're doing their best. They're doing their best to navigate their 
ADHD anxiety or, you know, the ADHD that they're newly understanding the diagnosis of or the pressures of their work or the infertility journey that they're walking or the incredible pressure that they're under work at work, like they're, they're doing their best. And even if there's times when they didn't make a, a right call, for example, if they look back, they're like, oh, I should have done this, but they couldn't have known at the time. That's hindsight is 2020. That's not they were dumb, they were naive, they were self. I mean, there's no negative associated with that. It's just like, friend, you were doing the best. And when we are struggling in these times, it doesn't mean that nothing's going right, like that we aren't grateful, we aren't blessed. Yes, and I'm all about the yes and. Like, yes, there can be positives that you can be grateful for in these first six months of the year and Life can also be really, really hard, scary, and overwhelming. And going back to the end of 2022, I will be honest that I felt so hopeful going into this new year. I had, like, if you look back at my Elegant Excellence Journal from that time, I just felt like I was in the pocket. Like I was at the cusp of a new season. I felt I had this wisdom that I had been gifted through the grief and the trauma that I went through. I just was really getting this vision that like I, this was a new year for me, a new season, a new chapter. And six months in, I feel so far from that girl. And I remember why she felt that, like what her plan was. But I think I shared in a previous episode that um, I had really gotten myself burned out in November, December, because I had a team member that had kind of a mental breakdown, left without warning. They were supposed to be hiring for two roles. Instead, I had to step in, hire for their role, hire for another role, do like their job and my job for the last six weeks. So I was really burning the candle both ends. But I got these great new team members. They were starting on January 2nd, and like I had done it. I had worked hard enough, and I'd made it work. And then five minutes into my new year, I sat down at the computer and one of those people had already quit before the year even began. (laughs) So it felt like six weeks of hard work was for nothing. And here I was so hopeful and optimistic that I had this whole plan. And right off the bat, there's a huge hole in my boat. And now I'm just back to like bailing out water as opposed to being, you know, at the front captaining it. And I just feel like ever since that email, I've been two steps behind sprinting to not get off of the log and just trying to like, you know, bail out the water here, but then I'm not up there. And I often think I am good at this. And what I mean by good at this is like how much work I have done over the last seven, 10, whatever years, like in essentialism, my mindset, decision-making, strategy, self-coaching, you know, everything that I teach basically, what's in the Elegant Excellence Journal, the Healing Burnout Course, what makes my movie beautiful, the garden party, like everything that I've built over the years, I only create things that I desperately needed and I couldn't find out there. Like I needed healing and breakthrough in this area. So I fought to figure it out for myself and then I wrote it down so I could pass it on. And so I often think, like, what the heck are people doing without all of that? 
Like with the fact that I have done so much work on mental and emotional health and healing and mindset, all the things, and and have some natural aptitudes in this area for running a business and strategy and coaching, therapy, whatever. What do other people do? Because it is still hard for me and I have all of these tools. And it feels hard to have this conversation and because I don't have a, and here's how I got out of it. Like that would be better, right? Is if I was like, guys, I had a really hard first six months of the year, but then I just had three key insights that I want to share with you. And now the last two weeks, everything's been going so much better. But that's not true. Like I am still in the hard of it. And there's not, I don't want to say I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel as in like there is no hope left in the world, but it's not like just around the river bend, there is some finish line that is coming. And I think most people in my life who are in seasons of struggle, that that's how they feel as well. They're not quite sure what is when this season is going to be over what what enough puzzle pieces are going to be that they're like things are kind of clicking now i feel like i'm sort of in my groove i didn't have it for a while but yeah i definitely like i'm out of the fog the light is better like we believe that we can get there but we don't know when that is coming so it would be better if i could tell you that I've had a hard six months and here's how I turned it around and here's my tips I can pass on. But I do think being honest and sharing is better than not saying anything at all and therefore knowing there's someone else that is like, I, where did the last six months go? I can't believe that six months have already gone by. This is not how I thought I was gonna feel halfway you know, through the year. And so I think the lesson for me in this episode is that I asked myself today, how can you make it easier? How can you make it easier? Acknowledging that it is hard. Acknowledging whatever it is for you. For me, it's acknowledging that I am so burned out and I don't, I don't have enough of a break coming for it to feel not scary to say that out loud, um, for, to, to feel not emotional saying that out loud. Um, and maybe for you, that's, you know, you're, you're feeling lonely, you're feeling financial pressure, you're, again, wh- whatever it is for you that has been hard of these last six months. Asking yourself, how can I make this easier? And it might just be the task in front of you. Like the whole situation, maybe that's helpful. But what I kind of struggle with sometimes, and I was just saying this to my best friend this morning, I was like, I've got all the, all the tools, right? All the mindset and the wisdom and things. And yet sometimes like, I'm like, I've run my life through all those filters, asking the questions and coming at it from the different angles. And I just still don't know the answer. I don't know the answer other than I think this is just going to be hard for a while. And I don't think I'm alone in that, right? Like I have a friend that went through recurrent pregnancy loss for three years. And it's like, is there really a way to make that less hard? You know, if you've, if you've lost your husband, like, is there a way to make that less hard? 
Like, is it really the, the, you've got the tools and the mindset and the, all the things like you can have done all the work you could have been in all of my courses and programs and products. But sometimes you're like, I, 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 I don't think there's a tool for this. Like, I think this is just hard. And I, I don't know for myself always where the balance is in, am I being, am I being too negative? Am I not using my tools? Am I keeping myself stuck in overwhelm? Or am I being honest that life is just really, really hard sometimes? And it, it isn't about, can you do it better? Can you make your mindset better? Can you use any more tools? It's just admitting, this is hard. I mean, what my in-laws are walking through, what my brother-in-law is walking through, like, it's just hard, you know, and we're going to give him all the mindset tools and encouragement, but like, his life is hard right now. You know, like he... He, he can move his right arm enough to, to move his power wheelchair. He's getting a little bit of movement back in his left arm, but like he can't. There's so much that he still can't do. And so I'm just asking myself, how can you make this easier? And sometimes it is in the big picture. And I think that sometimes it's strategy, decision-making, letting a huge project go, really changing the big picture expectations. But a lot of times for me, I'm like, I've done all of that, and this is just still the circumstance that we're at. I haven't been able to make it any better. And, and I keep checking in on myself because, again, I think it's easy to go back into those habit grooves of hopelessness, negativity, especially when things are feeling heavy. It's so easy to go into hopelessness rather than hopefulness. So it's like I keep trying to check, like, could we get to more hopefulness? Let's make sure. We definitely have, like, you know, checked every, every possibility. But what for today, at least, just for today, what has helped me is saying, how can you make this task in front of you easier? How can you make this day in front of you easier? How can you make the next few hours easier? So in my case, I had these two, this two-part series on friendship uh, planned. I had done the pre-work, but the final steps of putting all of it together and then just recording it was feeling like such a heavy lift. And so I asked myself, what would feel easier to, to talk about on the podcast today instead? And it was just telling the truth about exactly where I am and how I feel today. Because any version of trying to talk about something else or feel more positive or optimistic or even just act like I've got the answers to something, which I very well may have good advice in that area. But when my core feeling right now is like, I just don't know exactly what the answers are here, then even that starts to feel a little bit inauthentic. And as an Enneagram 4 who prizes authenticity, um, I think it might even just be my personality type as to why not just telling the absolute truth today is more tiring for me than someone who maybe has the the gift of compartmentalization, (laughs) which I don't. Um, And so just talking about where I was at today felt easier. And so for you, how you make it feel easier maybe means 
you allow yourself to release the family photo shoot and just like do it on an iPhone, or you push the launch back a month, or you go to one place in Italy instead of five on your trip, or you go to just any one place on this trip. It just it, it's a fine, it's a good enough place without it having to be the perfect place, the perfect hotel, the perfect city, location, whatever. Like those are all kind of relevant examples in my life right now because we're doing a photo shoot with my family um, this week in California, and that had gotten super stressful because I had so much else going on that I'd left it to the last minute. And I was, anyways, then I was like worried that the photographer wasn't going to be available, et cetera. And so just realizing like, I, I don't know if I did this the easiest way or not. That one's water under the bridge. It's done. But how can I bring that energy into the, the next thing, like I am wanting to travel. I know that that is really healing for me in my burnout, the creative, um, the, the, the creative rest, the rejuvenation, like all of that. And yet I'm finding myself so exhausted at the thought of even trying to plan travel. Like I'm seeing all these other people I'm following on Instagram and different places in France and Italy, and I'm like saving all of their locations. And with every save, I'm like... I'm going to have to go back through this folder, pull all of these up on a on a uh, map, figure out where they are, see if we can go there. And yes, I know these are first world problems, but do we not all do this? Because the other thing is, it's not a, it, it should not be a, a fringe benefit in life to be able to travel to have new experiences, to experience different cultures, to see the world. Like that's something we should want for everyone, right? But because we have limited time and resources, I know I'm not alone in feeling pressure of like, I know, but it's it's we have so little money to spend on this trip. I don't want to spend it on a hotel that's like not great, right? I want to really do my research, but I'm so burned out and that's why I need the trip that I don't have time to do the research, but then I'm also burned out because of the finances. So if I spend the money on the trip and it's not worth it, like, you know, I have these conversations with friends sometimes where it just kind of spirals around and it makes sense. It's not because you're trying to have an Instagram-worthy trip. It's not because you're being a perfectionist. Like Those sometimes can be the implications when you're talking to someone else who dismisses you. As you know, I'm never going to dismiss you here in that way. I think really it comes down to you want to make sure you're investing your time, money, and energy wisely. You want it to feel worth it. And so I'm just asking for myself in those things. Like, How can you make it easier? How can you find the balance, even if it isn't going to be as good? It may not be the most perfect magical trip that you could ever take, but are you still going to feel better if you at least go away? How could we lower the volume there to make it good enough, especially if we challenge ourselves to release what the original ideal and expectation was. You had this expectation of the professional photo shoot. You had this expectation of this five-step, two-part podcast series all mapped out. You had this expectation of the dream trip, of the complete launch, whatever it is that you've got going on. That's option A. Like, I've got my hand above my head. Like, that's up here. And so when we think about option B, that's like, you know, at your shoulder, it just feels like, oh, that's like so much lower. But 
if option A is exhausting us and feeling heavy and overwhelming, then can we just release that and be like, I can do that later. Just because the photo shoot doesn't happen right now, just because the dream trip to Italy doesn't happen right now, like I'm not going to tell myself this is a once in a lifetime thing. I'm not going to get into this fear of like, but what if this is grandpa's last Christmas with us? Like I can't let myself catastrophize. I just have to be like, friend, we can't do it all right now. So let's just, let's just take today. Let's just take some things on our list. Can we make it easier? I'm sure that the, the a complete uh, series that I could put together might be better for, for you. You might think that it is better content, but is it good enough to just connect vulnerably on where I, I, I'm at today? Hopefully today it it was, this conversation is, because that's what I could give today. And I'm being honest about that because I hope that it reminds you that your best is good enough too. And that simplifying and making it easier can be enough for you without discounting that you also have very real things that you are trying to achieve and that are important to you. It's not dismissing any of that. Again, make sure that what comes up for you is not saying that it's not the shame that you're a perfectionist, you're a control freak, you're not grateful for your privilege, like any of those shaming thoughts. It's not about any of that. You can still want it to be better. You can still have bigger dreams and all of that. This is just really you caring for you and saying, friend, I like hand on your heart, hand on your chest. I, I see, the, I know the quality that you are capable of. I know the the dreams that you have. I know the visions that you had. I know the expectations that went into this. I know how long you planned this for. I know that you associate this with this because you saw this person on social media and in your mind, they whatever. You're just validating, validating the reasons why it feels like it's not enough or we don't, we don't wanna have to give up what we had as the ideal. I validate all of that, yes. And you're so tired today or you're really behind, or this is feeling really heavy when it was supposed to be joyful, whatever that is. So how can we make it easier? How can we make it easier? How can we simplify? How can we do less and believe it's going to feel better? It's going to feel better to have that experience simplified than to have it totally chaotic and intense or to not have it at all. That, that sweet spot in the middle, it might be a little bittersweet because it wasn't your full vision. And what I have to tell myself is, in a lot of these instances, is we'll get there. We'll get there. We're not at the full vision yet, but we'll get there. Just because we didn't get there now doesn't mean it's never going to happen. You know, this, this one trip that we're doing doesn't have to be the only time that we're doing something like this. It's just... This is good enough for now. Where you're at in your business doesn't have to be the apex of it. The memories that you're creating with your family or those experiences, like this doesn't have to be the biggest one. It can be simpler and it can be enough. And I hope something in here today spoke to you. I'm grateful you're here. Thank you for allowing me to just be myself, which is what I invite you to do all the time in the garden party and in DMs and I receive it from you. And um, thank you for receiving it back from me. Oh, 
wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is the end of the TV show Manifest. Now, I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm not going to talk about the ending. But if you were watching that show, I hope that you agree with me that it was such a satisfying end to a series. Now, the show itself was not always amazing. (laughs) Like, there were definitely times when I was like, this is getting kind of soapy. If I wasn't already so far into this series and I just wanted to know how it ended, I might kind of give up on it, but I do kind of want to know how it ended. And I got intrigued by it because this was a show... You might remember it got canceled. I think it was on NBC. It got canceled. And then a group of fans was so adamant about it that they started, they would, I think they would binge it like 24-7 on their computers on Netflix so that they got it as one of like the top trending shows for one of the longest stretches ever to keep attention on the fact that like there was a fan base that wanted this show back. And I just thought that was really cool. I was like, I love that these people love this show so much. Now I'm intrigued what they were so into. So it was really the fans that made me want to check it out. But it is so hard to do a good ending of a TV series. Dawson's Creek is up there for me as one of the best endings ever, um, because you really have to hit a lot of notes. You got to wrap up storylines. You got to leave people satisfied. It can't feel too cheesy. It can't feel too obvious. You can't fully know how it's going to unfold, but like everybody's going to have different things that they want to happen. There's so many TV shows, right, that historically have hideous endings. I didn't watch Seinfeld, but people hated that. I didn't watch Lost. People hated that. Especially, this was a sci-fi type show, kind of more along the lines of Lost. So you really are looking for what's, it's not just like a love story and who do they end up with, but like, it's, it's how are you going to explain all of this? Is, is there a through line here? And they did such a good job where I was, I felt, and I don't know if this is true, but I felt that the creators knew what, they knew what the arc was from the beginning. They knew where the story was going. They didn't get into it and then were like, I don't know, we'll see after a few seasons, like how we kind of get back to the beginning. I feel like you had to know that that was where you were going, which is especially impressive when you don't know how many seasons you're going to get of a show. It's one thing to sit down and write a book, right? You're in control. Well, (laughs) haha, after my book pod, not necessarily, but you get it. You're in control of being like, here's how long it is. It's a 300 page book. What are all the points that I want to hit? Plot points. But same thing in a movie. But a TV show, you don't know how many seasons you're going to get renewed for. So if you get renewed for another season, you want to stretch it out, right? People are loving it. You're making money. The actors are working. The whole crew is working. But then if it gets shortened, you got to like wrap it up and get to the point. So I think that it is very challenging, specifically, again, when you have a like sci-fi conceit show where we're waiting for the end payoff. It's not just a relationship drama that like those people could keep going for another 10 years and we could follow their lives. It's something where we're waiting for what was the answer of the universe, of the mystery, whatever. And then another show that I just finished was season one of Silo. Again, I won't ruin it, but In that case as well, I felt like they did such a great job. Silo is based off of a three-book trilogy, and I'm always more optimistic about shows that came out of a book series like that, again, from a sci-fi perspective, because it has, because I trust 
there is that there is an ending. There is a whole world that was created and it makes sense, which is why this book trilogy was so popular and they they're not going to get halfway into the season and then you're going to be like ick or halfway in the series and you're like it kind of fell apart. I don't think the writers really knew where to go from there. Like sometimes that happens in a show. So I felt like with season 1, knowing they're in a three book trilogy. So there's a lot of stuff to cover. This, you know, I don't know, this could go on for 7 seasons, who knows. I felt like they did a really good job at the end of season one of of giving you something different where, and again, I won't won't spoil it, but I loved Silo. Jeremy thought it like dragged at moments. I was totally into it. Manifest for me dragged at moments, but the ending payoff was so worth it. I actually want to like go back and rewatch the last um, 20 minutes of it. But in both, I really respected the writing and it's, I'm, it's so apropos with this writer's strike, you know, um, continuing that we may have a, a drought in content. There may be an actor's strike. And I just think when we're burned out, when we're grieving, when life is hard, we need art. We need escape. For one of my team members that's video games, we were talking about how she and her husband don't really watch um TV shows, like they're into video games, just a different area of escape. For my husband, it's doing drone photography and videography. That's art and creativity. For me, it's really great fiction stories, among other things. So that could be TV, that could be film, that could be novels. But I have such respect for great and appreciation for great fiction writing as something that really I now value even more because I understand it really is part of healing my burnout, calming my anxiety, giving me fresh perspectives, allowing my brain to rest, all of those things. So I hope that you can take in some art this month to nourish your soul, whether for you that's a museum or an outdoor art fair you stumble upon like we did a weekend or two ago, a novel, an audiobook, or some nature. I am off on the day this um goes live. We are flying to California to be with my family for a few days, and I will be floating in a big backyard pool this week, which is my form of being out in nature in sunshine with little kid laughter all around and um, taking a moment to pour back in and refresh. And I am praying and hoping the same for you. Until then, I will see you over on Instagram and right back here for the next You're Welcome Wednesday. You're welcome in advance. Till next Wednesday.